Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. This is draft season. Welcome to the show, everybody. We're into the second week of December here. I'm on about three hours of sleep off the Giants Monday night football game against the Green Bay Packers. A fun win, but I'm exhausted. So if I'm a little incoherent today, I apologize. <laughs> Luckily, we have Tony Pauline from Sports Kita to carry us as always. Big show coming your way today. We got some great questions on Twitter from you guys. We'll ask Tony later on in the show. But first, we're going to take a look at some feature players from the 2023 rookie class and see how they're doing so far through 13 weeks in the NFL season. So we'll do all that and more on draft season. Tony, how are you, man? I'm okay, except I'm an incoherent most of the time. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> even at your worst, that's my best. So I'm sure hopefully the viewers won't mind. No, I think we'll be okay. Let's get to the quarterbacks first here in terms of the 2023 class, Tony. And we'll spend more time on some guys. We'll kind of fly through yeah. some others here with all these positions because there's a lot of guys to talk about. I just want to do a little bit extra on C.J. Stroud because we talked yeah. about him out last year, Tony. We both had Bryce Young as in the morning quarterback, and I still think based on the evidence, that made sense. And you talked a lot about it. I'm going to pat you on the back here. How, you know, we didn't see him in the context of the Ohio State offense really open it up until that Georgia game where he ran around, did a bunch of awesome stuff. And you know what it turned out? That was C.J. Stroud. It was one game. It was a small sample. And we're like, well, can he repeat that? Well, guess what? That's the guy we've seen as a rookie, and he's been fantastic. Yeah, and I was critical, and I still am, of the Ohio State coaching staff. I mean, you look what Kyle McCord did today, this year, I'm saying. He was basically the same quarterback at the end of the season that he was in game one. And it was very much like that with C.J. Stroud from the his first start against Oregon up until that Georgia game where he was magnificent. And I blame the... Uh, you know, the Ohio State coaching staff were putting the handcuffs on him. You know, he'd step to the line of scrimmage and he'd be looking over the sidelines. They wouldn't let him run the offense. And I think C.J. Stroud is the perfect example of you can draft the most talented signal caller in the world if you don't have good coaching, if you don't have good player development. It, it, you know, a guy's going to turn out to be a dud. Fortunately for C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans, it's not turned out to be that way. He protects the football. He makes good decisions. Exactly. You know, people look at the stats. Uh, you know, he he's lost some of his weapons. Tank Dell's now down uh, for the entire season. Nico Collins left the game Sunday with the Jets. They lost the tight end. So now he's going to have to, you know, find ways, manufacture ways to be more productive. But listen, you've got to be ecstatic if you are a fan or an employee of the Houston Texans 
with the with the development of CJ Stroud. And then on the other hand, mm-hmm. you talk about needing good development and things happening around you to have success, Tony. Well, just look at Bryce Young in Carolina. Yeah. That place is a mess. I don't even know what we can take out of this for Bryce Young. I went back and watched them all 22 on them earlier in the year. No one gets open. The offensive line can't block. Obviously, the whole coaching situation there is a mess. Guy's getting fired already. I feel bad for the kid. He didn't have a chance this year. And now whomever they hire next year, it's almost like it's his rookie year. I'm not even sure how much growth he gets out of a year like this. And then you have the optics of C.J. Stroud, who was selected behind him, right? So it's not only just Bryce Young is doing so poorly. It's just C.J. Stroud is doing so incredibly well, and the optics aren't good. And you're right. I mean, I know there was a lot of concern within the building about his technique, his footwork. They were going to let him try and work through it. They, it didn't work out. They were going to work on it. Then Frank Wright got fired. The uh, offensive, uh, the uh, quarterback, uh, Coach McCown got fired. And Deuce Daly, too. Yeah. I, I, I mean, and you talk about the offensive line. I mean, in the 2022 draft, they used an early pick on a what they hoped would be a franchise left tackle. That's not really panned out. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not good. You can't basically just shut the door on Bryce Young at this point in time. I think the concerns with Bryce Young is going into it, we love his intelligence. We love the way he ran the offense, the way he commanded the uh, you know, commanded the ball, the way he controlled the situation. The concerns were his size and the arm strength. And really, a lot of the things that we were relying on to make Bryce Young our number one quarterback has not panned out, which is a concern. Uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see how involved the owner is there. But, yeah, I mean, they really have to clean house, and they've got to do what the Houston Texans did, what the San Francisco 49ers have done with Brock Purdy, get people in there who know how to develop a quarterback. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, you're right, and I think the height and the arm strength, it has flashed here or there in terms of being an issue, but – Everything just around him has not been good this year. The other quarterbacks, we've seen some Ian O'Connell this year, Tony. I know you liked him a lot. He's had some good moments, did not play very well this week. Obviously, got shut out by the Vikings, whose defense has been a lot of teams' trouble. Anthony Richardson obviously played a little bit the first couple of games. I thought what he showed was promising. Um, But again, we just didn't see a whole lot of him until the injuries came up. And then, look, I was probably a little bit higher on on Will Levis than others. And I think he's showing something with Tennessee, right? There's still some rawness there as a passer. But my God, the kid's a maniac. It looks like he's basically like like drink eight cups of coffee before every game. Uh, he he ran over Jalen Ramsey in the game this week. He makes plays. He's willing to throw the ball down the field. He's mobile. I think if Tennessee can develop him, there is something there with Will Levis. You could take any or all of those players in whatever order you want. Well, I think Levis was in a good situation where he wasn't thrown in as a starter from day one. I mean, he was eventually midway through the season, and his game has really taken off. So I think sitting on the sidelines, observing. I think the fact that he didn't go as early as he thought he did was a good thing because it kind of brought him down to earth. And Chip he probably on the shoulder. Yeah. Chip on his shoulder now. So it's worked out for Tennessee. It's worked out for Will Levis. Aiden O'Connell, I mean, he's shown flashes. He's a real leader. He's somebody that Devontae Adams likes. But the offensive line there isn't really good. And Aiden O'Connell was never a really mobile RPO-type quarterback. So he's getting killed at times. They got to if, if he's going to be their man moving forward, and I give them credit for sticking with Aiden O'Connell the rest of the season, they better be able to protect him. Uh, Anthony Richardson, you know, there were flashes. He got injured. Who knows? Maybe watching Gardner Minshew 
for two-thirds of the season will hopefully benefit Anthony Richardson in 2024. All right, let's go. And by the way, I want to ask you this. We've even talked about this yet. Uh, Tommy DeVito. Yeah. How, what did you have on him coming out last year? We never spoke about him in all the shows we did last year. Not much. I mean, nobody did. He played the Shrine game. He was, he, you know, he was decent at the Shrine Bowl. He's, he's shown a lot of good things. Credit to the Giants, you know, for basically saying we're going to stick with them to the end. There's no reason to put Tyrod Taylor back in, and it's it's reap rewards. I don't think Tommy DeVito is the starter of the future. I think Tommy DeVito is a very good a good backup. It's a great story. But really, there wasn't that much on Tommy DeVito's reason why he didn't get a combine invite. Reason, you know, I don't want to say reason why he went to the Shrine Bowl because the Shrine Bowl has been a, a, an exceptional outlet for quarterbacks the past couple of years since Eric Galco took over. Um, I did really, really didn't have that much. Neither did other teams, which is why he wasn't a combine invite, which is why he wasn't drafted. And that's yeah. why I'm, and most scouts did not have a draftable grade on him. I would imagine from guys you talk to. None that I talk spoke with had a draftable grade on. All right, let's go to running back here, Tony. And this was a group that had a lot of guys at the top, so why don't we start there? Bijan Robinson, I know um, fantasy owners of Bijan Robinson have been frustrated this year because he's splitting a lot of time, maybe not getting as many touches as people would like. Uh, and he hasn't really had that, like, monster game moment, but I think he's had a good rookie year. I don't think you really complain about it. And then Jameer Gibbs, I think, is kind of given Detroit – what you would think, though, again, I think Lion fans wish he got the ball a little bit more, but he's not really that bell cow type of back. What do you think about those first two backs off the board? You know, it, it's interesting with Robinson because he was taken so early. He was, what, the eighth pick of the draft. Yep. The quarterback at Atlanta is struggling. Desmond Ritter, he's up and down. You would think that they would try and feature Bijan Robinson, but they don't. When they do give him the ball, I mean, he's got 790 yards rushing. He's averaging, uh, what, almost five yards, 4.7 yards per carry. So he's getting the job done. You know, I, I don't know. It's more, I think it's more the system and the coaching staff more than it is B. John Robinson with Atlanta, who is kind of fighting for a playoff spot. You'd think they want to give him the ball, especially with the struggles that Desmond Ritter has had. Jameer Gibbs started off slowly, he picked it up. There have been flashes. I mean, Jameer Gibbs was definitely the second best running back in the draft. Whether he was worth a mid-first round pick, you know, that's debatable. But the fact is, Detroit just took the guys that they wanted, that they thought were best, that fit their needs. And Jameer Gibbs went a lot earlier than everyone thought. I mean, I think he is, I, I don't think he's a 2025 carry. I never thought he was that type of back. Few backs are you know, these days. Uh, but I think, you know, in the overall scheme of it, he's done relatively well. Yeah, I agree. And but I don't think both those guys, what we thought about them coming out as players, they've shown to be that type of player in the pros. I think the scouting on those guys has been right on. Two running backs, Tony, that are speed backs. One was drafted, one was not drafted very high. I don't know if he was drafted at all, actually. You have Devon HN, who's been unbelievable with Miami yeah. when he's been healthy. Again, the problem is that he was 180 pounds, right? And he did hurt his knee already once this year, and then he re-injured it. But when he's healthy, he's been dynamic. And then Keaton Mitchell, who's come on really late for Baltimore. I, he was undrafted, correct, Keaton Mitchell? He did not get drafted, correct, if I'm not mistaken? I am looking that up as we speak. I don't think he was. I, he was a combine invite, but I don't. Uh... But those two speed guys, Tony, I think it kind of shows you where the running back position is going, right? Where yeah. maybe teams aren't so concerned with size. If they have that speed, they'll find a role for you, even again, if it's not that bell cow back. Yeah, Mitchell was undrafted, and Akon I thought was underdrafted. I thought he was worthy of an early second round pick. I think you're yeah, you liked him a lot. Yeah, exactly what you thought thought with him. He's a guy who picks up huge chunks of yardage from the line of scrimmage, 
You know, when the ball's in his hands, he's a situational back. He's a third down type back. Obviously, he's got to stay healthy. He's not the biggest guy in the world. And Mitchell was the same sort of back coming out of East Carolina. I mean, he's a, uh, you know, he's a fast guy. He's a creative ball carrier. He's a perimeter ball carrier who basically can run the daylight. You can also use him as a pass catcher out of the backfield. And really for the Ravens to get that type of, of value out of a guy that they didn't draft. I mean, they've done it before, those situational type backs. And, and Mitchell's a good compliment there. And he's taken on a bigger role as the season has gone along in that kind of three-headed monster backfield with Gus Edwards and uh, Justice Hill. And Mitchell really gets more touches than those other players now. It's a really nice job. A couple of the running backs, Tony, mid-round guys that I want to touch on. Zach Charbonnet, who I think has been kind of who we thought he would be in Seattle. He's a tough grinder between the tackles. Not a lot of explosives. He's done okay in the passing game. He's complimented Kenneth Walker pretty well. And then Tajay Spears uh, is a guy that is stuck behind Derrick Henry. But when he's right. gotten opportunities, I think he's done pretty well with them. And I think Henry's a free agent. I would not be surprised if the Titans, you know, maybe they don't give Spears the, the keys to the car. I'm not sure. Again, he's a 20 to 25 carry guy, but I could see him being their number one back next year. And, and it's interesting because Charbonnet was drafted by a team that really had a fe- Charbonnet himself should be a feature runner. You, yes. you know, he's your grinder, as you said. And he was selected by a team that already has that type of back. So I don't know how many, you know, I, I was surprised so much more so by the fact that the Seahawks selected him with considering the backs that they the back they had as their number one back. Yeah, and, and, I and, just and Kenneth Walker had a great rookie year. He's a young right. player too. Right. So I, I just didn't see the fit there. I don't think Charbonnet is disappointed. I just think yeah. that, you know, there, there's, you know, no room at the inform where Spears, I think, is a perfect compliment. I mean, you got the grinder and Derek Henry, you got Tajay Spears, who, you know, guy who on film plays very fast. He's a perimeter ball carrier. We saw him last year at the senior ball with the, uh, basically making defenders miss in the open field and having guys grasping at air. Uh, and, and that's what he is. He's a real good third down back, situational runner, toss sweep around the corner, around the perimeter type of uh, ball carrier. I think if you're going to go from Derrick Henry to Tajay Spears, you're going to have to change some things in your offense to make it more formative for Tajay Spears. Uh, but I think Spears was a good fit, and, and I think he's done relatively well. One of the running back I want to bring up is I don't, I was a lot higher than him and everybody else, and he hadn't really gotten an opportunity until the last couple of weeks, Tony. And that's Chase Brown out of Illinois who went to Cincinnati. Yeah. And the Bengals are starting to give him some touches now. He had a big screen pass that went for a touchdown. He ran for 60 yards a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's made the most of his touches. And, you know, Joe Mixon is getting a little bit older. He's not as effective. We'll see how long they keep him there. I think Chase Brown is showing he can be an effective runner in the NFL. Yeah, and I mean, he was a great runner at Illinois. I think the thing with uh, Chase Brown was he was an interior runner. at He was a grinder at Illinois. The question is, did he have the speed to turn the corner? But he's a real, real good football player. And and I, I would agree with you. I mean, he is – I think he's a, a situational ball carrier now that could eventually be the number one guy uh, in an offense. All right, let's go to wide receiver here, Tony, as we move along. And not surprising in the modern NFL, you're going to have a. By the way, any other running backs you want to touch on? That that the only, the only kid, kid I would pick, uh, I would point out another player is, is Jaleel McLaughlin of uh, of Denver, Denver Broncos, uh, undrafted free agent out of Youngstown State. He was a guy who was a great story. Was homeless for a while. Stayed for a second senior season. Has done real well in a situational role. Uh, with the Denver Broncos. It's a good story. It's a good player. He's been productive for a Denver Bronco team that 
You know, everyone thought they were dead in the water after uh, September, midway through October. Now they're fighting for a playoff spot. No question. All right, now let's go to wide receiver. And how do we not start with Puka Nakua? Yeah. And he's been phenomenal this year. He's a guy that he only practiced one day at the Senior Bowl, Tony. And in that one day, I think he led the practicing yeah. catches. But you look at him, you're like, oh, he's not that fast. All right, he's not, you know, huge. He's he's well, he's well built. He's good size, but he's not gigantic. No traits really jump out at you, but the guy just knows how to get open. He is good hands. Uh, he stayed healthy, which is something that he had trouble doing in college, which I know was a red flag for him. And boy, he's been fantastic for the Rams this year, leading all rookies and catches yards and every other stat you can imagine. Great, great receiver. I mean, here's a guy who I remember in the lead up to the draft, I was talking to his people and I said, he's a third round pick. I had a third round grade on. They said, no, he's going to go in the fifth round, which is just about where he went. And a guy who is delivered. I, I mean, you know, you want those athletes that run the four threes that are six foot two, you know, but you need football players. And that's what he is. He's a football player. Dude, he, he blocks fights. for them. The blocking he does in that offense is unbelievable. He finds a soft spot in the defense. He knows how to get open. He tracks the pass in the air. I mean, he's more, he beats opponents intellectually as much as he does physically, if that makes sense. And he's been incredibly productive. I'm I'm very happy to see it because I was always a fan of his, uh, of his game at BYU. Yeah, and Volpe can see he has battled some injuries here or there in the NFL. He's managed to stay on the field, and hopefully he'll be able to continue to do that. And, you know, one of the themes we had in last year's wide receiver class, Tony, and I'll take these guys as a group here, is how important is size in the NFL now at wide receiver, right? Not only did we have short wide receivers last year, wide receivers that did not weigh a whole lot, all right? So I'll take a group here. I'll put them all together. Tank Dell, who was dominant at the Senior Bowl, He's been one of the top rookie wide receivers until he obviously uh, broke his leg, and now he's out for the year. But he's been phenomenal. Zay Flowers has done a really nice job in Baltimore, obviously. I don't know if he's quite the number one some people claimed he was coming out, but he's been right. good. Uh, Josh Downs in Indianapolis has had a really good year. I always kind of proposed I didn't see much of a difference between Downs and Flowers. Flowers has been better, but not that much better. And then Jordan Addison, another guy that's not the biggest guy, came in low weight. He's been a very effective receiver for the Vikings, especially when Kirk Cousins was healthy. And Justin Jefferson went out, and guess what? Jordan Addison was like, all right, you need me to be the number one? I'll be the number one. And their yeah. offense didn't miss much of a beat. So for me, those guys, Tony, are kind of showing in the NFL. And wide receiver, maybe size isn't that important anymore. It's about route running. It's about being able to get off the line of scrimmage quickly and beat your man from the snap of the ball. And that's really what Downs and Tankdale do. They're more vertical guys. They're quick off the line. They get that first step on the cornerback. And the cornerbacks are playing catch-up. With Addison and Zay Flowers, you're looking at exceptional route runners where the DBs cannot stay on the receiver's hip out of routes. These guys separate, fundamentally sound, and they extend their hands. They catch the ball away from their frame. Solid run after the catch skill. Neither of these guys are true burners. Neither of these guys are true vertical threats, but they just play, you know, it's timing. It's the ability to separate. And it's kind of funny. I would agree with you. Zay Flowers, I don't view him as the number one receiver, but with all the failure that the Baltimore Ravens have had in the past <laughs> with receivers in the first round, I mean, it's come, you know, it's finally, they finally hit on one. And I mean, he's been a terrific player in that offense for a, a quarterback that needs a reliable pair of hands. All right. And then some mid-round receivers I want to touch on, Tony, before we hit on one more first rounder, I'll save him for last. 
Jaden Reed, who again had a really nice senior bowl in Mobile. And guys, if you really want to find out what receiver is going to be good, if you get open and you dominate in Mobile, guess what? You're probably going to be a pretty good pro because it does carry over. He's done a nice job. Jalen Hyatt has flashed what we thought he would flash as a deep threat. He hasn't really rounded out his game yet in terms of doing other stuff. And then Rishi Rice is interesting. It's a guy that we talked about a lot last year. And we I kind of saw him as kind of a, you know, semi-contested catch guy, okay route runner, not a super athlete. The Chiefs almost use him as a run after the catch guy. And I think right. he's proven to be a little bit more athletic than I thought he was coming out of SMU. I think he might be the Chiefs' best receiver. He's also, you know, got his priorities straight because there was a lot of red flags about Rasheed Rice. There was a lot of, you know, wow, when the Chiefs took him at the end of the round too. But it's turned out well. And listen, when you get a leader like Patrick Mahomes who is, is able to get everybody in that in that receiving stable, uh, pass catching stable on the same path, probably wishes he had Darius Tony on side uh, Sunday night. Uh, you know, it, it does wonders when you have other really good players there and other leaders around. So Rasheed Rice is, uh, I, I, this is a lot of what I saw Rasheed Rice when he was at the best of his game. I mean, he was a real good receiver at SMU and he took over after they had the great kid and, and they had a couple of guys leave the prior year. The question with Rasheed Rice was the off the field issues or the off the field disturbances, if, if you will. And he's put that behind him, and he's developed into the receiver that I think a lot of people thought he would be. Yeah, and again, um, I think Jaden Reed's done a nice job. They use him on end rounds, wide receiver screens. He's quick. He's fast. He can separate. Last guy I want to touch on, Tony, then you can throw in anyone you want to touch on is Quentin Johnson. Uh, he was, I believe he was the first wide receiver taken in the draft, if I'm not mistaken, right? And Correct. I had my concerns about him. You know, yeah. to me, he was a big guy that looked like a contested catch downfield player, but he wasn't very good at that. He was more of a yak guy, and I wasn't sure he was athletic enough for that to, to translate. And for a Chargers team that lost Mike Williams due to injury, then they lost Josh Palmer to injury, and they really needed somebody to step up a wide receiver. And Quentin Johnston quite frankly, has not really been able to fill that yeah. void. I think it's been disappointing given all the other receivers that were on the board when they made that selection. And we're seeing the same thing from Quentin Johnson on Sunday that we saw on Saturday, a lot of body catching, a guy who, you know, lets catchable throws slip through his hands, a guy who, you know, has to rely on physically beating down opponents, which is a, a lot tougher thing to do in the NFL than it is in college. Not a great I mean, route runner either, right? He, he never this, was, no. though. He no, never exactly. was, though. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I mean, he's an opposing looking guy on film and you look at the size, he ran much faster than people expected during the pro day workout. We were hearing four sixes and things like that. He ran in the, in the high four fours. You figure, okay, we're going to develop. He's just not developed this game. I mean, he's more reputation than reality at this point. And I'm sorry, not even a reputation. He's more potential. There is no the reason he's living up to his reputation. I apologize. He's a guy who lets doesn't catch the ball correctly and can't run routes. He's more, you know, potential than uh, than production. Any other wide receivers you want to hit, Tony? Not on my list. You hit them all. All right, let's go to tight end here, folks. We're going a little long here, so maybe we'll do the offensive players in the 23, 23, 2023 class today, and we'll do defense. Next week, since there's still not a whole lot of college football being played. So, uh, Tony, tight end. It was a really good tight end class. And I think they've kind of lived up to it, to be honest with you. The two first tight ends yeah. taken were Dalton Kincaid and Sam Laporta. Um, we both love Laporta, I think, more than most people have. He's been the best rookie tight end. He's been fantastic. And Dalton Kincaid has done a nice job for the Bills as well. I think those guys have lived up to their billing. 
Kincaid has really put it well, poured it on late in the season. Laporta was good from the get-go, and Laporta was just an underrated guy. He wasn't super fast. You know, Laporta was sort of like Jordan Addison's of the tight end position in the sense that, you know, he wasn't a great athlete. Uh, he, he uh, You know, we go back to some of the, the running backs we talked about, just a real good football player. And he was always that at Iowa. He was, he was like that at Iowa for three, for three years. Catches the ball well, smart, makes a lot of plays with his head. I think Dalton Kincaid is a situation where, you know, the more he plays, the better he's going to get because he really was never Utah starting a tight end until the middle of the season when the, when Brian Queeth went down in 2022. So you're starting to see a, a, see a lot of uh, rewards being reaped at that point in time. Uh, I, I, I mean, just... I think both of these guys are outstanding players and they're not great blockers, but they do a decent job blocking. Yeah, they try. They effort, you know, and and as as they go along, if you have the willingness, you'll be able to get a little bit better at it at least. Two other tight ends, Tony, I want to touch on Luke Musgrave, who I think starred the season pretty well. Then he had an injury, which, again, that's right. something that plagued him late in his college career, too. And yep. now he's with Green Bay. And then Michael Mayer, who was really quiet earlier in the year, has come on a little bit since the coaching change happened, but he still really hasn't exploded yet in the passing game. But I never expected him to. I mean, we knew what Michael Mayer was. I, yeah. I, I said it, if it was 1985 or 1994, Michael Mayer is a top 10 pick. Michael Mayer is your traditional three down tight end. He's a guy who's very good eight to 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. Maybe he breaks one down the field on occasion. He's an exceptional blocker. He goes over the middle of the field and makes a difficult catch in a crowd. But he's not, you know, the field stretcher that we see today. He's not the Laporte. He's not the Kincaid. I think with Musgrave, you know, again, he's got to put the. He's got a lot of potential. He's got a lot of upside, but he's got to stay healthy. And and the other uh, tight end I'll talk about is Tyler Kraft, the guy who's come in yeah, yeah, to replace right. Musgrave, uh, you know, on that team, and he's shown a lot of skill, which he did at South Dakota State. He was a guy who I don't think he ran as fast as people expected. But if you watched him at South Dakota State, he was a tight end who played the position like a receiver. They'd flex him out wide. They line him up in the slot. He'd go down the middle of the field. He'd make a lot of big catches. And that's what he's starting to do since he stepped into the uh, the lineup for uh, Musgrave. And, you know, how ironic is it, you know, all those years that Aaron Rodgers were there, the, uh, the Packer fans were screaming for them to draft the receiver, draft the tight end. And then they draft two tight ends back-to-back -back in the 2023 draft, and it looks like they hit on both of them. And they got a bunch of young first- and second-year receivers with Romeo Dubs, Jaden Reed. Dontavian Wicks has actually done a pretty good job for them, too, as a rookie-wide receiver. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. A, a lot of good young skill position guys uh, for the Packers. All right, finally, offensive line, Tony. And really, you could make the argument, Dewan Jones out of Ohio yeah. State, the gigantic right tackle, has been the best offensive lineman from this class. You got him with a really good offensive line coach with, with Callahan at the Browns. They've plugged him in there, and we saw him dominate one day at the Senior Bowl. We worried about his weight. There was other stuff that people were talking about in terms of focus on football and you know, yeah. kind of football character stuff, but he's turned out to play really, really well in his rookie year. Jack Conklin goes down. DeWan Jones goes in. You figure, I'll oh, forget about it. And DeWan Jones, uh, he's been outstanding. I mean, he's been terrific. Still very large, doesn't have great lateral blocking range, but you know he's showing a lot of those those things that we saw that one day in senior bowl practice, uh, you know last or well, not last year in February, where he just dominated everybody. And I mean, he has that potential. He just has to put that focus uh, and, and play that way on every snap, and it looks like he is. I mean, 
Dewan Jones is the is is the perfect example of what not to do in the lead up to the draft when you have <laughs> that sort of talent. Yeah. You know, he played the one day at the Senior Bowl. He was great. He mailed it the rest of the way in. He went to the uh, the combine. He ran the forty. He went to pro day. I was at the pro day. I mean, he was standing around in sweats. He wouldn't do anything, and he all he did was excuse the expression, piss off everybody in the NFL, which is why he went in the fourth round. The Browns took him. You know, somebody lit a fire on them. They flipped the switch. And, you know, we're seeing that the Juan Jones that we thought we were going to see after that one day of senior bowl practice. Good for him. I hope he keeps it up. Yeah, talent-wise, he was the second-round player. But it was all the other stuff, right, that that I think gave teams pause. Two guards that I think have done a good job. Steve Avila, Tony, who I know I was a huge fan of. I thought he was a very safe pick in the draft last year. He's done a nice yeah. job. And Peter Skaronsky has done a nice job as well, who we thought would convert pretty well from tackle to guard. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Avia's a guy who can play guard, he can play center, he's big, he's just a power gap guy. He's not a guy that you're going to pull across the line of scrimmage, get him block, get him out on the second level and block on a lot of times because that's not his game. But if you're looking for a, you know, a punch in the mouth type of run blocker who's also a real good pass protector, he's got a lot of skill and he's a guy that people think could eventually play a center down the line. Skronsky, you know, remember Skronsky, a lot of people thought he was going to be a very early first round pick. He had the short arms. Titans took him. They kicked him inside the guard. He's done a real good job at guard. And, you know, when you have those types of guards that are dominant players on the interior, they're worth early picks, as we're seeing with Skronsky. All right, and then some offensive tackles. Tony Dono Wright, I think, has done a pretty nice job for the Bears. Paris Johnson has had some struggles from time to time, but I think overall the Cardinals were probably pretty happy with what they have with him. And then the other first-round tackle, Broderick Jones with the Steelers, he's had trouble getting on the field and, and breaking into the starting lineup there. Well, he's been playing pretty well for them recently, I believe, yes. Roderick Jones. So so he he had trouble getting on the field early in the season. Now he's moved into, this, into the starting lineup, and he's done relatively well at right tackle. I think Paris Johnson was uh, – correct me if I'm wrong, but Paris Johnson is actually playing right tackle for yep. the Arizona Cardinals. He's not playing left tackle where he played for three years at Ohio State. Uh, and I, I don't know about that because, in my in my opinion, he's a potentially great left tackle – Put him over there. Let him uh, protect the blind side. Let him be a left tackle uh, where where he's best. Darnell Wright has been a dominant, dominant run blocker, as we knew he would be, because that's what he was at Tennessee. That's what he was uh, during the senior bowl practices. He's had his ups and downs uh, in pass protection. But still, I mean, he's a terrific run blocker on the right side. Hopefully he puts together the complete game and he learns how to, to pass protect. Yeah, they put him next to Tevin Jenkins, and those guys have actually – I think Tevin Jenkins is a right guard for them. They've actually done a really, really nice job this year uh, for the Bears. All right, let, let's do some questions here. I put up a tweet the other day, got a lot of good responses. I don't think we'll get to all of these today. we got about 10 minutes to roll here, so we'll get to as many as we can. We'll save the rest for next week um, as the second half of our show when we do our defensive players from the 2023 class. And then, Tony, before we say goodbye, he can go through any news that broke this week, too, in terms of the draft that uh, that he wants to touch on. All right, this one from Steven Sperry. Tony, he wants to know, can you review the top six quarterbacks in this draft based on arm talent, accuracy, vision, decision-making, and, and what rounds do you think they'll go? So I don't know why he picked six, but you can kind of go through real quick your thumbnail on the top quarterbacks in the class in terms of throwing the football, arm talent, vision, accuracy, decision-making? Well, I maybe mean, he thinks six are going to go in the first round. I don't know about that. Obviously, you got Caleb Williams and Drake May at the top. They're different types of quarterbacks. Drake May is more of your conventional, who just announced the other day that he's going to enter the draft, that he's more of your conventional pocket passer, not your RPO pass to where Caleb Williams 
as you like to say, does a lot of off-platform throwing, gets outside the pocket, keeps his eyes down the field, seems to pull a rabbit out of a hat when things and improvise when things are not available. There's going to be some questions about his footwork. He throws a lot of passes flat-footed. You're not going to be able to do that. I think after that, um, I'd like to put uh, Shador Sanders in there, but all signs point to Sanders returning to Colorado, so I'm going to leave him out. Then you got Jaden Daniels. I mean, Jaden Daniels, who's had a fantastic season. Uh, I mean, definitely on the upswing. How early is he going to go? I talked to somebody yesterday, and they say they talk to people in the league, and he's going to go very early. I don't know that I would take him that early, six, three and a half, 202 pounds, but you can't argue with the success that he's had. The end of the 2022 season, the 2023, I think Drake may probably has the strongest arm of those three. Yeah. Then uh, Williams, then Daniels. Quinn Ewers looks like he's going, J.J. McCarthy, I should say, is number four on my board. He, he's more of your, I don't say he's a game manager, because he's also a playmaker. He's more like uh, Caleb Williams in the sense that he's an RPO guy, gets outside the pocket, makes throws on the move. He can make plays with his legs. As far as the arm strength, he's probably at the bottom of the four guys I just mentioned. Then, I mean, it's anybody's guess. I, I mean, I got Quinn Ewers. It looks like Ewers is going to go back. I think you have to look at the uh, the other two Heisman Trophy finalists, Michael Penix and Bo Nix. I mean, Penix probably has the strongest arm of anybody. He can flick flick the ball down the field, uh, get the ball downfield with a flick of his wrist. The accuracy is a concern. I mean, when, when you watch Michael Penix highlights, oftentimes there are better receptions than there are passes. But it's just that Penix is able to get the ball downfield so quickly because of his arm strength. Bo Nix, he's just a smart, smart uh, uh, game manager type who makes plays with his arm, with his leg. He's not a pure vertical passer, but I think in a timing offense, he would do very well. Yeah, I'm starting to go through the quarterbacks here, Tony. I kind of waited to the end of the full body of work was in. I, I watched every drop back that Drake Mays made this year, and boy, um, strong kid. He's hard yeah. to bring down. Uh, has some crazy throws that he tries to make while he's getting hit and tackled, which turned to, turns into some rough ones, and his last two games weren't the best, but yeah, he is a old school traditional pocket passer that can also, you know, avoid the rush and slide in the pocket, throw on the move. He's a, he's a heck of a player. I look forward to watching the rest of this quarterback class in detail. Uh, Alan Brathwaite, he wants to know about Braylon Allen. Um, what do you think of him, Tony? What round pre-combine should he be available at uh, in, in terms of this running back class? You know, I'm not as high on Allen as a lot of other people. I think he's a little bit too big. Uh, uh, you know, he was supposed to be, I believe he was up to 245 pounds at some point. Uh, uh, that's a little bit too big. I think he's, you know, if you're looking for a power gap ball carrier, if you're looking for that interior grinder, he's going to be a guy that you look to, I believe in the third round of the draft. I mean, we've talked about this <clears throat> with the, uh, with the running backs. There's no true feature runner at the top of this year's class. But maybe Braylon Allen is your true feature runner if you're looking for a ball carrier that's basically going to run between tackles and downhill because that's what he does so well. A couple of questions about uh, the NIL, NIL market, Tony, and how that's yeah. going to affect specifically day two and three quarterbacks and that market and, and just even players at other positions. Are you seeing more guys going back to school and not rushing their path to the NFL? Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, Drake May is the only guy that has uh, announced, right? And you, you hear Marvin Harrison 
talk about how he's wavering back and forth. And I know we're going to have to get to a Marvin Harrison question, but this yeah, kind of well, goes in, now. Go ahead. What do you this think? This kind of goes in with the news. You know, Marvin Harrison, a week ago, a, a lot of people were questioning me when I talked about Caleb Williams, about how he's going to take his time to go through the process, see what kind of NIL deal he's going to get. And I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets an NIL deal anywhere from 30 to $35 million. And people, a lot of people said, you're crazy. Well, Marvin Harrison comes out uh, comes out he says he's about 50 50 because he wants to go back to ohio state uh because he doesn't want to leave ohio state knowing never beating michigan and then reports come out that the nil deal that ohio state is offering marvin harrison is comparative to the same type of contract or first year contract that he would get if he goes into the nfl draft that is an early first round pick which means it's going to be around 25 million dollars so there were reports out there that right now Marvin Harrison is getting uh, an NIL deal close to $25 million. I, I mean, you and I talked about a player, you know, off the record uh, you know, before this. And I, I say to anyone who says to me, it depends on the player's mindset. If the player really enjoys playing college football and he enjoys the college experience, he should stay. Because you're not going to get that back. And the NFL is a completely different ball of wax. I mean, the, the the spectrum curve is different, not just on the field, but off the field, in the locker room, the mentality, the learning, the play, everything is different. If you enjoy college and you're not an early, early first round pick, stay in college. If you're done with your college career and you're ready to move on, move on. I think what the NIL has done is we talked about it last week with Tyler Slow, the kid from Texas Texas Tech who's moving to his third school it's giving the opportunity for some of these some of these players who want to improve their draft stock to uh do so i heard i was talking with somebody yesterday jordan birch the pass rusher from oregon, oregon. he's being he's been they're contemplating giving him an nil deal worth a million dollars to return so you know, this Jordan Birch. Isn't to... Birch a fifth-year player already, Tony? Am I wrong about yeah, that? Yeah, well, he's got the second year uh, of eligibility because of the COVID year that uh, the NC2A granted everybody. Uh, Jack Nelson, I'm told Jack Nelson of Wisconsin is com- contemplating going back to school because he feels the offensive tackle, if he goes back to school and has a big year, he can be a first-round pick. The fact that he's going to be, you know, he can go back to school, work on his game, hopefully be a first-round pick or, in his mind, be a first-round pick in 2025. Plus, he's going to get an NIL deal that's going to be worth several hundred thousand dollars. That's an added bonus. That will make the the decision easier for those guys who want to go back. I also want to say one thing. I was thinking about this uh, when I was watching the Heisman Trophy Award. You know, we talk about the NIL deals. Dylan Gabriel now going from Oklahoma to uh, Oregon. You know, it's very curious that you had three quarterbacks here. Michael Penix, Bo Nix, <clears throat> Jaden Daniels, guys who improved their play, improved their draft stock, all there for the Heisman Trophy. They all have two things in common. They all transferred from schools, Bo Nix, Auburn, Penix, Indiana, Jaden Daniels, Arizona State. But they've all been with their programs for two years. <laughs> that says a lot. You know, they're not, they weren't they didn't go to those schools and just have one breakout year and, and, and improve their draft. They all played there for two years. And, you know, you look at, say, Sam Hartman, who a guy who we thought, you know, when he just basically carried that Wake Forest offense for three years and was a phenomenal player. We all thought when he goes to uh, Notre Dame with that great offensive line with all those weapons. Wow. Notre Dame's going to be a team to beat as far as college football playoffs. And you can't tell me right now that 
Sam Hartman was a better player in 2023 than he was in 2022. So I, I think there's something where, you know, those quarterbacks that have been in those programs for a couple of years, more than coincidentally, were the guy were the dynamic quarterbacks this year. All right, Tony, we'll do one more question. We only got through half of them, so we have plenty left for next week. Guys, keep sending them in. I'll retweet that out at some point this week. You can send them even more, and we will get to it next week along with the 2023 defensive draft class. Uh, Kyle Buda, Buda, we aren't, and I, I'm kind of springing you this one, Tony, so I apologize if I'm putting you on the spot. Why are we talking more about Dorian Strong after the season he had at Virginia Tech this year? His stats are unreal out of FBS quarterbacks of 500-plus snaps. Uh, number one out of 243 in terms of completions allowed, completion percentage allowed, number one, receiving yards allowed, number one, NFL quarterback rating against him, number one. What are your thoughts on Dorian Strong, Tony? Uh, you know, Dorian Strong, unless he's made an announcement that I am unaware of, he's one of those guys that is considering going back uh, for another year uh, at, at uh, Virginia Tech, and they want to keep him. Um, so, uh, you know, unless something's happened in the past week that I am in, unaware of now, why aren't we talking about, well, Virginia tech has really not played all that well. I'm looking at my, uh, my grades here. Uh, I was told that he is, he came into the season, <clears throat> came into the season really ungraded by uh, the scouting services. And now he looks to be a potential day two pick. Want to see his actual size, how big he is. That may be a concern. Is he a starting corner? Is he a nickelback? Is he a dimeback? I, I think the conversation, as far as I told, uh, as far as right now, is kind of moot because, from what I'm told, unless something's broke in the past couple of days, Dorian Strong's very likely to return to Virginia Tech next year. All right, Tony, we, you mentioned a couple of these over the course of the show already. What other news kind of broke this week? Uh, in terms of guys going back, transfer portal, declaring, senior bowl, anything jump out at you that fans should know about? I think the only thing is, you know, Caleb Williams is not playing in the uh, – he's not playing in the bowl game, but he hasn't uh, officially uh, entered the draft, which I think he's eventually going to do. But, again, I go back to what I said earlier in this show and last week. I'm sure he's going to assess the NIL deals. He's going to look at USC – and he's going to make his decision. I don't think that there's going to be a decision real soon. Um, it is interesting, though, watching all these guys go back. I had wrote an article last week on Sports Skeeter about the money that the, t the schools are passing around to keep these guys, that some of these transfer portal, uh, uh, some of these NIL deals were discussed before guys actually entered the transfer portal. So it's, it's like free agency for college football. Um, it's going to be very interesting over the next couple of weeks to see would see if we have any surprises. I do think Marvin Harrison will eventually enter the draft, but the fact that he's come out publicly and said he's 50-50 because he wants to return just shows you how potent and how powerful these NIL deals are. Yeah, and stay tuned to draft season, folks. We'll be with you every week uh, the rest of the way un until the fourth week of April or whatever it is, and we'll have the NFL draft this year. So we'll be with you every week. We'll keep track of all the news, declarations, returning to school, transfers, anything else that's significant to the 2024 NFL draft. You will have a few right here on draft season. Well, bowl season's going to kind of be getting going a little bit next week, Tony. So we'll preview some of the early bowl games next week. We'll do our 2023 draft class, and we'll continue to answer some questions along with everything else. Good stuff, Tony. Always fun. I think I got through the show without passing out and falling asleep, so I think that's great. I didn't stumble too much or say anything too incoherent, so I think it went well. I'm pretty happy with it. John, it's one of the few times I've actually had to hold you up. It's usually the other <laughs> way around, right, brother? 
Tony, good stuff, my man. Appreciate it. This is draft season, everybody. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time as you continue to track the 2024 draft class. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 4-14-24 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Turns out a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit mrsmyers.com today.